morning, my name is Marcus. This morning, our scripture reading is from the book of Jonah. Please follow along in your Bible or use the screens. I'll be reading verses 1 through 10, Jonah chapter 2 in the New Living Translation. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean's depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O oh Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death, and as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifice to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. The word of the Lord. Good morning. My name's Julie Steele, I'm one of the pastors here, and I am glad to be with you today sharing with you from the book of Jonah. We are in the second chapter today, as Marcus read for us. We are going to be looking at the second chapter of Jonah, but before we get started, I wanted to share a personal victory with you. Last Thursday, February 1st, was our 37th wedding anniversary. Yeah, 37 years. It's flown by. Right, Barry? It's flown by. We had a great time. We went up to La Conner and had lunch at this great place we like to go to. But I thought, if you've been married for any length of time, I would share the card with you that I got him, because you will be able to relate. <laughs> yes, communication and honesty are the keys to every good marriage. You need to know how to communicate and when to be honest. All right. Well, as Marcus read, read for us from the second chapter of Jonah, this week our message is titled Chaos, Confinement, and Clarity. As I was doing my studying for this message today, confinement just kept coming through to me as Jonah is confined to the belly of a whale. But then I saw a pattern, kind of a cycle happening. So that's where the chaos and clarity come in there. Uh, now that we're in this second chapter, I have to tell you that of all four chapters, I find it interesting that I'm the one that got assigned to this because I do not like seafood. I don't like the smell of it. I don't like the taste of it. I don't like water. I don't like swimming in an ocean. I don't like boats. I mean, the whole thing is just, none of this was that appealing to me. That if i just gotten one of those chapters about judgment, I could have been all over that, <laughs> like that one. Well, we start with, I thought this was a cool word cloud. You know how those work? You plug in uh, some verses or sentences, and the words that are used the most appear the largest. So I thought this was a kind of a cool visual to look at. Lord is the center. And then we've got words like sank, waves, beneath, um, fish, prayer, jaws, waters, all these cool words that encompass this small chapter. A lot happens here. 
Well, let's get started here. Jonah then prayed, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. Well, what led up to Jonah's prayer? What happened before the then in this sentence? Previously, Jonah, a prophet, had received instructions from God to go to Nineveh, which was the capital of the enemy Assyrian Empire, which had conquered the northern kingdom a few years before, which would have been Jonah's people. But instead of heading northeast in the direction of Nineveh, Jonah heads in the opposite direction. He gets on a ship and goes wherever Nineveh is not, basically. Now, Jonah thinks he can escape God. He thinks, I'm just going to fly under the radar here. He's not going to know I'm going here. And he'll just find somebody else to do this job. And, you know, it's easy to point a finger at Jonah and say, Jonah, how could you do that? That was so blatant. But, you know, I think we need to look at ourselves, too. I know I've done that before. I have gone in the opposite direction of where God has called me. 37 years ago, same amount of time I've been married, I too went against God's plan for me by marrying my husband because he was not a Christian at the time. And I knew full well that was not God's plan for me, but I decided I was going to have my plan work out. And fortunately, like it did for Jonah, I was shown grace and mercy, and we have had a wonderful marriage, and my husband did find Christ 17 years ago. So that was a blessing, but I didn't deserve it. So Jonah didn't either. But what about the daily ways that we go in a different direction? Just the small things that we do. I don't always use my time or my money or my words in a way that shows I am following God. Now, I have trouble with all of these areas, but I have to say the biggest one for me is my words. I can be very critical, and I can complain a lot. I should be encouraging, and I should be thankful in those times that those other things are coming out of my mouth. You know, being critical and complaining shows an attitude that's opposing who God is and what he's called me to be. As Pastor Elise said last week when we were in the first chapter of Jonah, we are like Jonah, thinking that we are deceiving God when we're going the opposite direction. He, just, he doesn't notice, or that's just a little thing. That really doesn't matter to him. However, we learned God cannot be deceived. Now, just like Jonah and the Ninevites, we too experience God's mercy and grace when we come clean, and we're going to see Jonah do that. So back to our story. Jonah's on board a ship. A storm comes, and Jonah is thrown overboard when it's uh, revealed that he's the cause for this terrible storm and for everybody going through what they're going through. So the sailors toss him over. The storm stops immediately, and the sailors pay homage to God. The last verse of chapter 1 says, The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. This is an incredible example of how God makes good from even our mistakes. And he makes good for other people, too. That's encouraging to me. 
Now, after all this, Jonah prays from inside the belly of this fish. Honestly, how could he not? If you were inside the belly of a fish and you didn't believe in God, wouldn't you still cry out to God? We read phrases like, land of the dead, which the Hebrew word here for dead is shoal, which translates to underworld or Hades. It's the darkest place known. Verse 3, you threw me into the depths of the ocean. I sank down, waters engulfed me, buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Verse 5, waters closed over me, seaweed wrapped around my head. Verse 7, as my life was slipping away. Do you sense the panic in Jonah? Do you identify with that? He's describing this chaotic experience in this dark ocean. Remember from last week, too, that we learned that the ancient Jews believed that the sea was a very fearful place. It was not a place of recreation. It was a habitat for mythical sea monsters and of chaos. Well, can you relate to being thrown into chaos? It could be physical like Jonah, but also it's certainly emotional. Chaos can be of our own choosing, as in Jonah's case. It can be of others' choosing, as was the sailor's case, because all of our actions affect people around us, whether we believe it or not. Or it can be nobody's fault. It just happens. One minute, your life is going along just fine, and suddenly, out of nowhere, chaos. You become disoriented, lose control, and all that is familiar to you seems to be gone. A sudden illness, a loss of a job, a broken relationship, certainly the loss of a loved one can find you floundering, engulfed in grief, consumed by confusion, and yes, chaos. I can relate. I've struggled, as many of you know, with vertigo for 14 years now. Talk about chaos. Seeing things move when it's not moving is very disorienting. And then a few years ago, when my husband was diagnosed with cancer, our lives turned upside down. We felt like Jonah, confused, and everything about our life seemed to just change. But you all have your own stories of chaos. I know that. It's part of life. But how do we cope? Well, we can learn from Jonah. Then Jonah prayed. Jonah had been swallowed by this fish, and I can only imagine how awful it must have smelled in there and how yucky it was. He'd been rescued from the chaos of the sea and is now confined to the inside of a fish. It seems like he went from one bad situation to the next. But it's here that he could reflect and process what he had just experienced and pray. That looks pretty chaotic, doesn't it? Confinement is usually thought of as a negative and not a positive. But sometimes it's exactly what we need to gain perspective and clarity in our own situation. 
I had a friend this last week tell me that her brother was going to jail for 15 months because he'd had several DUIs. And she said, he's so scared. And I said, well, here's what we're going to pray. First of all, he thank God that he is now confined to where he can't hurt somebody else or himself. But we're going to pray that in that confinement, this is where he cries out to God, and God will use it for his good. When we are in confinement, we are stripped of our own devices, our own ways of solving problems. We are forced to think instead of just react. Confinement can also take us to a very dark place, as it did for Jonah. But sometimes we need to be in that dark place to come out into the light again. So Jonah thinks about how low and desperate he is. He's so low that he can see the roots of the mountains. Get these words. Land of the dead, driven me from, inside the fish, sank down, imprisoned, locked shut, roots. That's how he describes confinement. Now, confinement isn't just physical. It certainly is emotional, it's spiritual, and it's mental. Any loss we have is confining because it brings us limitations. So, are you in a place of confinement today? Either by your own choice or somebody else's. Do you feel like you're stuck in the belly of a fish and there's no way out? You feel isolated, abandoned? If so, how are you using your confinement? Loss of health is certainly confining. Many of you have broken a leg or a foot, and we see you walking around with your boot and your crutches. And what I always hear people say is, it gave me time I didn't know I had, that it was a good thing. We never, I shouldn't say never, we very rarely choose confinement. But when it happens, we can see the good in it. It's interesting that God created the Sabbath for us. He knew we needed a time of reflection on who he is and in our life and a time to just pull back and not have the distractions of the world. We don't usually choose it, but we really appreciate it when it happens. I've been reading and hearing about something called deep thinking. How many of you have come to heard this term? Ooh, you will. It's all over the place. So I've been hearing about it and reading about it, and it's really intrigued me because I'm the kind of a person who needs time to think without distractions and just me and nothing else. Some people think on their feet really quickly. I'm not one of those people. Now, the report said that we all think we're multitasking, but we're actually working distracted. Think about that. We need long periods of time alone to let our mind process, but few of us make that time. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody, and a few hours later you go, oh, I wish I'd said this, or I wish I had thought that? You had time to think and mull it over. One way that I do this is uh, once a month I see a spiritual director. It's just for one hour. And when that day comes, all I can think about is, I don't have time for this. I need to cancel. I need to move that off. And I don't because I would feel really guilty if I did that to her. 
It is the one time where I can process with somebody in quiet and we pray and just we, we stay silent. And afterwards, I'm so glad I did it because I realize it's much more productive than anything else I could have been doing. I know that my ideas and solutions are always better when I've had time to really think. And I need the space to think. I usually, when I am preparing a message especially, I have to kick my husband out of the house. He can't even be upstairs. He can't be in the house at all. It's just like nobody can be there. That's what I need. It helps me to have more productive thoughts, and it helps me to be much more in tune with God's thoughts. So Jonah used his time of confinement to pray and think about what God has been doing in his life. He could have used that time to complain and to feel sorry for himself, which I certainly do my share of. But instead, he was able to see God's mercy and provision in the middle of his chaos. Jonah's confinement, it gave him clarity. Clarity means seeing things as they really are. Clarity brings us peace, relief, and understanding. It can release us from our confinement. So, what was it that needed to be clear to Jonah? For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. He needed to know who God was. I want you to look at your printed scripture in your bulletin if you have that. There is always an insert each week in your bulletin of the scripture that's printed for you so that you can look at the verses as we go through. If you don't have it today, I encourage you to do this when you go home. This was a really good lesson for me. I want you to notice how many times the word you or your is used referring to the Lord. And if you have something to use to mark it, I would do that. You heard me, you threw me, your wild and stormy waves, your holy temple, but you, O Lord my God, my prayer went out to you, your holy temple. See, Jonah was now very clear on the nature, power, and mercy of God. He acknowledged Everything is from God, and God controls everything. I want you to listen to these verses I have here from Psalm 139, 7 to 10. Just, just listen, and you can mark them at home, because it's very similar to Jonah's prayer. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me, and your strength will support me. Jonah knew this to be true for himself now. And it was when he hit rock bottom and was at the end of himself that he could see what he could not see before. God used chaos confinement, and clarity to bring Jonah to where he needed to be both physically and spiritually. You see, the last verse here, then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. 
he was spit out onto the shores of Nineveh. That's pretty amazing. And there's an irony in God's method. The Assyrians in Nineveh worshipped Dagon, a fish god. Dag in Hebrew means fish. Dagon was represented by a half-fish, half-man creature as an image. And so the transportation that God provided for Jonah, the fish, would have been full of meaning for those Ninevites. God knew what would get their attention, and that's possibly why they were so ready to respond to Jonah's message to call to repentance. God always gives us what we need to believe when we want to believe. That fish and that storm was God's vehicle for Jonah and the Ninevites' salvation. There are so many applications in this small chapter, and if you go back and read it, I know you will find many more. But here's a few. What about chaos? You feel like you're in a place of chaos this morning? It could be physical, it could be emotional, it could certainly be spiritual. Life maybe seems out of control, out of your control. I don't do well with chaos. I'm a planner. I'm fine with change, I just need a plan. I asked my husband the other day when he realized he is not a planner, he's a live-in-the-moment kind of guy, when he figured out I was the planner, he said, when you told me that you had our wedding venue booked before we got engaged, I said, yep, I was planning ahead. I needed a plan in case this happened. What about confinement? Is that a positive or is that a negative for you? And in what ways has God allowed confinement as you look back on your life? I think about what the distractions are that we all need to eliminate so that we can spend more time praying and pondering what God is doing. One small thing I've started to do is when I'm by myself in the car, I've turned the radio off so that I have some time where I have nothing else coming at me and I can just think and listen to God. You know, Clarity comes from spending time with God and his word. We get so many mixed messages about who he is. We need to go straight to him to find out who he is. I love this verse in Jeremiah. It says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Wholeheartedly. God is right there waiting to be found by you and me. You see, his desire is for all to come to him. He wanted Jonah, the Ninevites, and us. He wants it all. Now, I've had many times in my life that I can point back to of this chaos, confinement, and clarity cycle. I call it my life cycle now. The chaos of my illness that brought me to uh, a physical problem certainly messed with my emotions and my spiritual life, too. There were days when all I could do was sit very still and cry out to God. I was definitely at the end of myself. And it was a time that I, like Jonah, recognized God's mercy and power. Every chaotic time in my life 
has brought me to a deeper relationship with God, and I am grateful for that. I am not grateful for the chaos, but I'm grateful for where it took me. As I was reading commentaries, preparing for today's message, I'm going to close with this quote that I love. Here it says, it says, The pit of hell, the belly of Sheol, became for Jonah a most beautiful cathedral, a consecrated chapel, his own little private altar, a secret chamber. It is said that the necessity is the mother of invention. Jonah found himself in great need, and in the midst of his suffering and despair, an altar was born. Let God use your chaos and confinement to give you clarity as you draw closer to him. And may you see the altar that God is providing for you in the middle of it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are with us in the chaos and the confinement, and you want us to be clear on who you are in all of it. I pray today, God, that each of us would hear from you and would take away whatever you have for us today so that we can leave here being clear no matter what is happening in our lives. Thank you for your presence, for the story of Jonah and how we can relate to it. In your name we pray, amen. This morning, we are celebrating the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. We have open communion here at Evergreen, which means that you don't need to be a member here. You just need to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We have three stations, one over to my right, one here and one here, and this one on my left is the gluten-free station if you need that. We also have prayer available for you over to my far left, so you can um, go over there and be prayed for if that's something that you need today. And it's interesting because as I was doing this uh, message and then I realized it was Communion Sunday, how they tied together. Servers, please come forward. As we participate in this meal, it is the meal, the last meal of Jesus with his disciples before chaos broke out. And then after the chaos of Jesus being arrested and put on a cross and dying, he was put in the grave. And then there was confinement by him and his disciples who were hiding in the upper room because they were fearful. And then after the confinement, Jesus rose again. And as he was appearing with his disciples on the road to Emmaus, they didn't recognize him. But it was in the breaking of the bread, clarity came, and they recognized who he was. And may it be so for each of us today. Here are the words of institution. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, after supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is the covenant, new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim and you celebrate the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we ask that you would consecrate these ordinary elements, that you would make them your visible signs of your invisible grace on each of us today. In your name we pray, amen.